Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Happy Halloween uh, from the Hockey Buzzcast. Uh, Eklund's off today. He's prepping for his big day with his son. Going out is gritty. (laughs) God bless. Um, Now, Russ, I just saw this. Just to break the Halloween thing for a second. I just saw this commercial. And I'm sure you've seen it on TV. It's a bunch of – it's a th- it's three baseball fans at a sports bar. One uh, – and and the one guy – so it was a, it's a Geico commercial. And the one guy says, you know, he finds out that he's eating ghost pepper chicken wings. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then he starts yelling and screaming that he's overcome with the heat. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice until just this last time that the guy – on the one side is wearing a Nationals jersey. On the other side, I think the guy is wearing a Phillies jersey, and the guy who's screaming like a uh, like a like a baby is, is wearing a Mets jersey. Of course he is. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Yeah. So, uh, also, Alex Cora, if if you didn't think that the war between the Red Sox and the Yankees has is going to escalate to a new level, the uh, the Red Sox apparently really embraced the the New York New York theme. Uh, that with Aaron Judge going by the the their uh, their dugout, uh, I think it was before Game Three, playing New York, New York on a boombox, which is stupid. I mean, why 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 do you why do you why do you go there? Well, you know, the, of course the Red Sox, you know, used that as motivation and played that at, at Yankee Stadium after they after they beat them, and then play then they went one too far when they beat the Dodgers. They're still seeing New York, New York. And Alex Cora at the celebration today apparently said, we scored 16 runs in Ye- at Yankee Stadium. Suck on that. Well, well, Alex, you know what? You are pure class. And I'll just remove the <laughs> CL from the beginning of that word to, to just show what you are. And you know what? It's on. Because I'll tell you right now, the fans hate each other. And now I bet you there's going to be an escalation of the teams hating each other. That's- yeah, I mean, all the Yankees have to do is be better. But right, right. now, yeah. where it's at. You know what? I, I blame it all on Todd Stottlemyre back in 1993 when the uh, mayor of Philly wasn't worried about when he was pitching against the uh, the Phillies. And yeah. uh, he was the one you he said, I think he said, you can kiss my ass or something yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> and it all it's all gone downhill since Stottlemyre. True. Anyways, my wife's actually in Boston right now and she's at, at the parade with a friend of hers. They thought they'd go down and do something fun today because the weather's been a little iffy there. So I'll be looking forward to hearing her re- reviews. Weather. I don't know what they're getting, but I'm getting around 65 degrees here. So. Oh, we're getting rain as usual. What the hell? Yeah, I heard it was, it's been pretty nasty up in New England for a bit. Oh, oh really? Oh, that's too bad. It's been nice here and sunny. Sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Uh, Halloween. It's never been. I mean, I don't. I like it as a holiday, but I think that people overdo it. There's somebody on the a street that I, you know, that uh, my family lives on that does the whole thing. Oh, really? Like the graveyard with the fake tombstones and the fence around the. I mean, it's just really, really just overdone. But I like the holiday and. When I was a kid, I used to go off for for candy, of course. Um, but what was your favorite costume if you ever had one? So, I you know, again, in my day, there wasn't that much imagination for costumes. It was your typical like pirate or other stuff, whatever you could make or buy. You you would buy a superhero costume. Nobody would really make anything great. But my best one was for you know, and I, I put it up back up on my Twitter account. People could see it. Dress down day, which was something that we did, there was a Halloween parade at, at high school and I was a senior and I dressed up as a cheerleader. I borrowed a cheerleader's outfit and I got, you know, there were four or five of us and, you know, it got, picture was taken, put in a yearbook and it's still on Facebook circulating around to this day. <laughs> Peter? Uh, you know, I can't, I think the favorite one I ever went as was a, when is a tube paste and we, we bought, um, painter suits like you know the white painter suits and we put put crest or colgate on them and then we put like a pail like a bucket like a red bucket as the cap on and that was 
that was one and then it was another one we did the, the best i ever well no i want to go there that's not this is a family <laughs> show uh -oh. but um you know there's been a few good ones over the years i just it's funny like until i see them like you know you'll go and look at an old photo you sort of forget of some of the creative things my wife and i once went as um i went as gandhi and she went as uh gandhi's wife and um you know i did the full face did paint shave the, the whole thing no i didn't shave the head i put a, i got like a a skull, a, a, cap. Bald, a skull cap on and wrapped myself as a sheet and stuff and it was at a at a party not long after we moved to Winnipeg that my brother and sister and I were hosting and and I didn't have my sheets all tied up once and at one point one of the one of the, um, one, of the one of the other guests saw me sitting there and sure enough um, the sheets were pulled up and and I was wearing boxer shorts and they were kind of all bent up and I was hanging out one side and that made uh, her wow there you go but a bit of an well, embarrassing moment well, I'm a Halloween guy maybe once in school we dressed up like in in college or something but i i wasn't i don't do it generally well at, at a at a work party about 10 years ago a couple friends of mine who i worked with came coincidentally i think one of them had their mom owned a white bronco so they came they came as oj and ac <laughs> which was yeah me me I'm, I'm i'll be a little more politically correct i I dressed up as the Blutarski character from Animal House. I bought the. I went. To, I went to a t. Reach really. Yeah, there you go. I went to a t-shirt uh, store, and they had the the blue college t-shirt it, it yeah. with the flannel shirt and the shorts and the white and the white socks. And I have a picture of it. And me, I of course I borrowed a uh, a a friend's bottle of jack daniels and faked chugging it so it was the it was the it was the full effect anyway so let's get on with hockey uh hello hockey world today is wednesday october 31st 2018. hi i'm peter tessier in winnipeg i'm russ cohen from sportsology and I'm Michael Ajello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Uh, we're first going to talk about this, some of the games last night, because there were a lot of them, some interesting stories. Um, start with the one here in Buffalo. And, Russ, they were talking about this a lot on the morning radio. And, you know, the Sabres are doing pretty well. They're, you know, I think people are cautiously optimistic that at least they're going to be, you know, potentially in the race for a playoff st a spot. They're, you know um, – I mean, I think they have the talent to stick in there uh, for a while. Mm -hmm. um, they were they were leading one nothing late in the third period against the against the Calgary Flames playing playing the uh, second and back to back nights with their backup goaltender David Riddich in there, and uh, Sabers give up the tying goal with uh, less than a minute left to go in regulation, and then uh, Johnny Goudreau scores in overtime for a two-one win. Now Flames are, you know, Flames are they've been having some struggles, but they're I think now they're seven five and one. Sabers are six four and two. I think the Sabers are going in the right direction, but this is not a perfect team. There's still some areas they need to improve on. Yeah, it's definitely not a perfect team, and there's definitely areas to work on like you said i mean goaltending's better right so we knew they would have a, a little better year this year and uh adding skinner was huge and so that added a few wins to them and you know defense isn't killing them because the goaltending isn't killing them if you look at that whole unit it's probably right at the nhl average point mm -hmm. and so if they stick around that they'll they'll hover this is the way the nhl is they'll hover around that nhl 500 and and for at least you know a few more months and that's all you could ask for right now from this team but it, you know they have a bunch of rookies and by next year i think you'll see more of them in there and i think they're they're going to be a lot better next year actually now, peter uh, you know the flames I, I it was a it was a dreadful game on monday La last night of what i saw that wasn't exactly a, a barn burner ending up 2 to 1 but you know, if the Flames can win, it seems that the Flames have devoted themselves more to playing that boring style after they got trounced nine to one by Pittsburgh. Yeah. So whatever gets you wins, I guess that's the how you have to play. I think I, 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 if you're Bill Peters and you're sitting here and you're going, hmm, look at my roster. I've got two familiar faces from Carolina, and I've now got Gaudreau, Giordano. Um, Bennett, Brody, Brody, and who else? He's probably wondering. Monahan, Monahan, um, 
and, and Frolik and Jankowski. He's probably wondering what's the, he's probably starting to get to the point that maybe where um Gullitson was, something's not fitting here right. And he's right. probably now going back and saying, Okay, I've got to start from this point and move forward from here. And one of the observations I saw, and actually Theo Fleury made it today on Twitter. He was taking some questions and answers while he was in the airport uh, on a flight, mm -hmm. waiting for a flight. And he said, the Flames are having troubles playing away from the puck. And I think there's a little bit of truth to that. Um, and I, I think that sort of with this sort of dynamic team that they have and all these different pieces that you look at on paper and say, why doesn't it fit? Well, if you're going to play a boring game, you're going to start where you're starting is playing way better away from the puck and right. then bringing that aspect in. So maybe Peters after that beatdown has got to reset things and say, we've got to start from here because it's not working the way I thought it was going to go. Yeah. And the book on Peters, Russ, was always he got more, out, at least in my estimation, he got more out of the Hurricanes than their actual talent. I thought, you know, he, you know, they overachieved because I didn't think they were, I thought they were sort of light on talent in terms of the NHL team. I think the organization has some, has had some prospects when he was there and still does. But, you know, it seems that he's got to have that sort of effect on the Flames to get them from sort of like middle of the road to a team that can make the final, the top eight in, in the yeah. West. Yeah, I think they definitely need to uh, – I think Peter's on to it. I think he's right. And they definitely need some more defensively responsible guys because they do have plenty of everything else. And it's funny. I kind of look through their system, and it doesn't look to be readily available from within. And yeah. that's something where now they're going to have to maybe look at that and say, hmm, at some point we may have to uh, – go out and get somebody, which those kinds of guys are, are much cheaper to get and much more available or keep an eye on the waiver wire. That may be the way to go for them, you know, to get that veteran to sort of do that. And, and, but right now they're at least overcoming it, but I yeah. think, after, you know, Flurry's got the right observation, I think. Yeah, and, and last thing about the Flames, it's like I, I've heard a lot of talk. I mean, obviously, Mike Smith is 36 years old. He's in the final year of a contract. Their backup is Riddich right now. I've always thought that that organization was deep in terms of goaltending prospects because they had Gillies mm -hmm. and they had and they had Parsons. And you listen to people talk about the Flames, and they're like, oh, they have a goaltending crisis. I, honestly, it's like I, I think – I mean, Gillies has had injury problems, but I think Parsons is a, is still a, is still a pretty good prospect a couple years out from being drafted. So, I, you know, I don't understand the the, uh, the the observation that they're they're poor in goal. I mean, I see Gillies is so off to a horrible year with Stockton, not sure why, and so is Parsons. Uh, everybody's a minus on the team. I'm going to go out on a limb and say their defense is horrible. Right. Everybody's a minus. So that's not going to give a great impression of what these guys can do, but they're pretty good goalies. So right. yeah, I don't think there's a crisis. I just think there's a crisis when you look at the numbers and say, it doesn't add up. None of these guys look good. And it's really not about that. It's one of those things. It's a team stat. And I think they'll be okay. I think they do have goalie guys to come. I, I, I'm not worried about either one of those two goalies. Yeah, now the uh, the Hurricanes couldn't do their on ice celebration last night because they lost to the Bruins three to two. Uh, that was, I believe, it was Scott Darling's first game back uh, after being injured for most of training camp and the first uh, twelve games of the regular season. Now, in this game, and let's talk about the Bruins first, uh, Peter. That top line, that Marchand, uh, uh, Bergeron, uh, Pasternak line. That, that was the line that got them past Toronto in the first yeah. round last year that got them, you know, uh, to at least be competitive against Tampa Bay and have a very successful season last year. And until somebody stops that line, they're going to just keep rolling. I mean, it was two goals for Marchand last, yesterday. Pasternak now has 11. I think he's leading the league now because Matthews had yeah. 10. Nobody, nobody can stop that line head-to-head. No, and it's whatever that combination is. And let, let's let's be really clear here: it's Bergeron, right? Yeah. If you don't have Bergeron between those two, it's mm -hmm. not producing in the same way. Sure, he's right. one of those. He's the magic elixir, and you may not find you may not be able to put Bergeron between everyone and have the same results. 
but he is the straw that stirs the drink on that line. And that's not taking anything away from Marshawn and Pasternak because they're great players and any, any GM or coach wants them on their team. But for what those guys do, it takes Bergeron doing what he's done all his career, which is being so positionally sound, right? That it just disrupts everything else on the ice. And yeah, until a, a team literally builds something to counteract it, whatever that is, you're like, good luck. I yeah, mean, that, that's literally what it is. They're either going to burn themselves out or someone's going to find some way to counteract it. And I just don't know if that, I don't know what's going to come first. Probably the former. They're yeah, going to just burn out eventually. I think the only thing, the way to derail that is if Bergeron gets hurt. I mean, otherwise that line is going to be good all year. Uh, I would, I think it's the second best line in the league. I still think Colorado's top line is better. Yeah. But I think it's the second best line in the league. And I think it's so dangerous because it not only makes plays offensively, it makes offensive plays off the defensive end. And that's where Bergeron really comes in. And when we do switch to Carolina, we could talk more about that, but that's, you know, that's where I think they're at. And um, I'm so glad to see that, you know, for <laughs> one thing I was asked today, if I'm going to give Yaroslav Halak a lot of love on the show. And I said, we've given him some, and I think some is all he gets because again, right. this is now like the third straight year where, it doesn't matter. You can name whoever the Bruins backup is. If they have a couple of good games, they want to supplant that guy instead of Rask, and I'm not buying into it. Right. And I mean, Kudobin was, they hated him the year before when he was up and back down to the AHL because he was playing right. so badly. And then last year, he played pretty good as a backup. And, mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, well, and this is the thing. I mean, I noticed Halak with 42 saves. This is the second game in a row where the Hurricanes have been sort of shut down, put, put a ton of shots but not having a lot of success against Thomas Grace and Yaroslav Halak. And I mean, I, you know, they got off to a really good start They're, They were getting production and we were saying, you know, getting production out of Svechnikov, Aho, all these young guys, you know, it's tough to, for them to be consistent when they're really young, unless they're really, really special. And uh, sooner or later, you're going to fall back on the veterans with the veterans on that team. They're good ones, you know, Jordan Stahl, Justin Williams, but they're not big scorers, and that's why the scoring is going to have to come from those young players. And yesterday it was Michael Furland and, and Dougie Hamilton with the goals. Yeah, so, I mean, Hamilton had a great goal, and and I, I like his, his passion, and I think he's found a home, and I'm happy because the guy could obviously play in the league. And for people that just, you know, were following the other nonsense, that's all it was. It was strict nonsense. But when you do look at Carolina – they are missing in a couple things. For one thing, when the top line of Boston was matching up against like Justin Williams line, Williams is a little slow now. Yeah. And so there's, there's a matchup issue there. Uh, not to say Justin Williams still isn't a great player. He is. I mean, he's eight points in 12 games, That's but he's, but he's not what he used to be. What they're really missing is they need another guy who could really play a terrific all around game as a forward. They don't have it. They don't. Everybody in their in their lineup is is really high skill, and Teravainen is probably the best two way guy they've got. But they don't have a lot of two way forwards, and yeah. a lot of their defensemen are puck movers and really good offensive defensemen. And so, I think they're going to get victimized a lot like this because I think Bergeron saw a play up on the wall, and I think there's going to be more of them because I think they have less and fewer guys defending that. And that's why they're tied into rumors for a top six four who might be available that we'll talk about a little later on. Um, okay, Dallas and the uh, Montreal Canadiens stars win four to one. The thing that jumps out here is the Stars scores four goals on eighteen shots on Carey Price. Bishop makes thirty four saves. Uh, you know, as 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 it goes with the Canadians, if. Carey Price plays well, they have a good chance to win. If he allows four goals and 18 shots, they're never winning. And that's that, that's the, it's been successful this year, but I think in the end it's going to come down to that. Yeah, I think it will come down to that. I think that's, you know, pretty fair. Uh, I'm trying to see how many games Price has played this year because uh, I think it's 8. I think it's eight. Too many. It's too many. I I you know if we I'm do, surprised they played. I'm surprised they played anti Niemi three games. I really I am. Know. You know, if we talk about the Devils at all, like Kincaid had played every game of the year until yesterday when when Snyder got in. That's too much. But I get the strategy in that one because they knew Snyder was coming. 
with this, this is too much for, for Carey Price. I mean, he hasn't played this much in the last two years, so he's going to fall off. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that that's it. Like, the, the injuries, the inconsistency that's come with his time games played, you know, is going to have an effect because he's got to come back. He's also older. I think people forget yep. that Carey Price is now 31. Yep. Yes. Like, he's, you know, I mean, he's older. It's just a fact of life. And when the, the Carey Price that we came to sort of know and love and, 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 and appreciate, he was a young guy. Yeah. And, and you just, you know, you, you got it. Goalie's got to be in a different kind of conditioning than other players. And it, just because they're on the ice all the time, they have this different sort of thing. And, and they just, you know, when you have the injuries he's had, you're not going to bounce back as fast. You got to be a little careful. Yeah. And I, I mean, Niemi used to be a number one goaltender. He's, been basically a journeyman the last year yeah. or so, yeah, last year or two. I mean, you know, I'm surprised they didn't bring back Charlie Lindgren as the backup, but they re-signed Niemi because they thought because they thought they that he they needed the veteran guy rather than the young guy to be the backup. But I think they have to limit if they if they think have they have a chance at making the playoffs. I think Price needs to play that same range that Luongo does, 55 to 60. If it's 60 65, closer to 70, then I think you're risking re-injury and I think you're risking tiring him out. Not to say he's over the hill because he's only 30 years old and goaltenders have a longer lifespan, but mm -hmm. no, but got, he has to work his way back into it. That's my yeah. point. I think Julian's riding him a little too hard right now. Yeah. Um decent game in the West. Uh uh the Predators and Vegas Golden Knights. Predators win four to one. Uh Ryan Hartman with two goals. The thing that was curious here was UC Saros with 23 saves, only allows a goal. Um, I don't know what his record is. I'll have to look it up while we're while we're going on here. But there hasn't been a drop off that much with the with the Nashville play. And and I know Rene is back off the IR. So yeah. I mean, well, can we, five four loss. I mean, how many wins did he get in this little? Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna check right now. But can we yeah. can we can we can we say that uh, his little um, his little chance here that he took advantage of it, or was it sort yeah, of just he took advantage of it? I, I think he looked good. Uh, this game, I mean, Ryan Hartman scored two quick goals in one period. That really helped. But, he, no, he's been solid. I mean, has he been Pekka Rene solid? I don't know yet. Now, they they yeah. did say, Peter, that uh, that they're, they've opened up negotiations with Rene on a new deal. Um, yeah, Saros is 6-2 and two with a 2.50 goals against and a 9-17 save percentage. They signed him to an extension. He's making, I think, less than $2 million. No, that's a bargain for that's what yeah. if, if they got their if they got their number one goaltender at that and they're, you know, and they're gonna low maybe lowball Pacarene, which probably they won't do. They'll probably try to re-sign him for a year or two. But they could if, if they could walk away from him and, and if they don't think Saros is the number one, there apparently are a ton of goaltenders on the market besides uh, besides Pet Rene uh, with Babra yeah. Babrowski, Saros is making one point five. Yeah, one point five. Okay. Yeah. Nashville's very so, straightforward. They're not going to open up negotiations if they if they still have if they didn't have much interest in Rene. They're not. They don't do things there for like public consumption. So I think they do have a real interest, and I think what they probably will tell Rene is, look, you'll play forty five games now. I mean, and and. And I think that may be the selling point to keep him there for a little less. What I think they'll also do, Russ, is since he's over 35, I think they'll go one year at a time. They're not going to give him a yeah. three-year deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rekha's, Re, Rene, sorry, Rekha, Re, Rene's coming off a $7 million you know, a year contract. I mean, how much of a pay cut is he going to want to take? I don't think much, but I know. I mean, he knows he's not going to get $7 million. But right. if you've got two years, if Saros ends up being this value, another Poil value signing that way exceeds expectations, um, you can afford to go year by year with Rennie until you find figure yeah. out if, if Saros is a long-term solution. So just looking it up, Saros is 23. So you do another year, say you pay Rennie 5.5 million. Right, and right. you still have Saros at, at one point five. You're only spending seven million dollars on your keepers. Yeah, I but I think the I, gravy. I think the gravy train ends next year, uh, Peter, because they could they could sign after. No, they got they have to re they Yossi. have to re sign Yossi, and that's why I'm saying it's like okay, you know, there's there's I yeah. mean 
you know, Rene will be 39 at that point if they can't sort of walk away. That's at that window for this anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if they want to lock up their top four defense yeah. and they're going to have to pay Yossi, you know, I mean, I would say probably in the eight, the 7.5 to 8.5 yeah. so range. There's, there's, you know, 3 million up more for him. But I mean, well, you know, the other thing coming up is Kevin Fiala is an RFA next year. He's not going to come in outrageously cheap. No. Right. Well, right? And, like, yeah. Well, no, and it's funny because uh, the next game I wanted to talk about was. Hold on, we got to still talk about Nashville because. Okay. Here's here's the thing about Nashville. So, I don't think Rene could price himself out because Dante Fabro is knocking at the door already. Right. And I don't. I'm not going to guarantee he's going to play at BU past this year. He's probably not. This is his third year, so I think he's going to come out and he'll have a chance to to make the big club, even though. Their normal way is to let someone play in Milwaukee for a year or two, but right. with with just knowing that that guy's coming, I don't think uh, Yossi Yossi can really go very high. I mean, they've got him, and then you know they even drafted this year Spencer Stasny, so they you know he's he's probably three years away if he if he makes it, but yeah. he has so they're they're still loaded. Well, I mean, the, the, I mean, the talk is all is possible, and you know, we don't know what's going to happen two or three years down the road. But I mean, there's always been talk that you know, if they it, that they would probably want to re-sign Yossi, and maybe they would trade off PK Subban and clear out the nine million dollar cap hit. You know, they, it's like, you know, I mean, Fabro is going to be on on an ELC, so he's only cost he's only cost nine hundred twenty five thousand dollars. So, and you know what, Mike? I think because of that at some point i think you raise a really good point that if they need to suban makes he's 29 his birthday is may 13th so he turns 30 next year so he's got three years after this year at nine million and he's only going to be 30 there are teams who will take that oh, they'll take that risk and i i don't think um i don't think Poyle would have any problem no moving him to get cap space. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would say Toronto would be in the mix, but we know who Toronto's coach is and in terms of I don't think he likes the style of PK Subban based on the fact that he didn't play him in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, you have to be fair I, could, here, though. I could see the Canucks taking a run because yes. they wanted to get him before. Or Edmonton. All know Edmonton. Yeah, but the yeah, Canucks or Edmonton. Will, the I don't Canucks know how will, What's that, Russ? The Canucks will lose Brock Besser. Or Bo Horvat if they want to get Subban because he's still a sixty-point-a-year guy. He is. Right. No, I, I, I know. I, I don't think they give up Horvat, and I don't think they give up Besser, but they, well, they could, could do something. Well, Someone's gonna. I, the the value the value of of Subban would be mitigated by the fact that the team would have to take on a nine million dollars salary. salary. So I don't think mitigated though. He's still a sixty point defenseman. I mean, right now, but we may be talking a year or two down the road when he's over the age of thirty, and maybe he's now. Let's say he's going to decline, I mean, but I'm just saying, right, yeah. Russ, it's going to be costly. Yes, it's just what 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 can you afford to give up? The team that probably, but I think Not, as Mike said, Edmonton. But Edmonton's got to send salary back, right? Right. You got it. Up, I think this is a, a a moot point. I do. Well, I don't think it's going to happen. But I think there's like I don't believe they're going to trade him. I think they've they've embraced him. He's embraced the city. It's just as much a PR thing as it is his play, and he's an incredible defenseman. It's just the reason it won't happen. I think is because the number's too big. Although there would be suitors, and Poyle will want a big return. Yeah, um, the the Arizona Coyotes are over five hundred. We Russ, we started talking about them last week, and all of a sudden now they, they're hot. Good they, for them. They're hot, and uh, they they win five one over the Ottawa Senators. I think are coming down a little bit to you know reality yeah. after a decent start. Now we'll talk about the game for a second, but the symptom of this game was Mike Condon got pulled after I think it was allowing three on eight shots. He was placed on waivers today. And now the thing is, I don't think anybody's going to claim him unless they're really desperate for a backup goaltender because he's making $2.4 million for this year and next year. He signed a three-year contract a couple of years ago. So, I mean, you know, and I think he's I think he's a good goaltender. I think he's I don't think he's a typical backup. I think he can handle a workload like he, he did. He a couple weeks as a starter. Yeah, two, three-week period. Yeah, but but like I know that I had a couple of Leaf fans saying, "Hey, you know, Condon, here you go." And I'm like, uh, "Okay, first of all, 
you know, they if it was 2.4 million for this year and then he was a UFA, no problem. Next year when they need every dollar under under the cap, that that wouldn't that wouldn't go. Plus they have Garrett Sparks and they they want to see what's going on with him. The reason the the Leafs would pick up like McElhaney or Pickard is because they get, they can put them in the AHL. So I don't think they're gonna. They, I didn't think they were gonna claim Anton Forsberg and I don't think they're gonna claim Mike Condon. But some other team who needs a goaltender might. But I I would doubt that somebody does claim him. Yeah, I I I don't think anybody's claiming him. Not at that salary. Now the Coyotes though, it's like you know Galchenyuk scores his first goal. Uh, step on his second goal, Ekman Larson is first of the season, which, you know, I mean, after signing that big contract, you would think, you know, I mean, he usually scores in the teens. And the team had really gotten off to another slow start. It affected everybody but Keller. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, we said it for a while. This team has talent. It's just they need somebody to be the spark plug. They can't – I don't think they can put all the emphasis on the young guys carrying the load. You need veterans to help them. Yeah, no doubt. They definitely need veterans, but I mean, they have some. I mean, Stepan is clearly a veteran. They, their big thing is they just have to get good defensive play. They have a good enough goalie. He's he's never going to kill you. They have a lot of offense. They need good defensive play. If they get decent defensive play, they can at least hang around the playoff picture. And I think, excuse me, right now that's what you're looking at. <laughs> Um, four, three Rangers over the San Jose Sharks, uh, Kevin Shattenkirk with a shootout goal. Um, Russ, did you watch this game? I mean, it, 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 no, it, it seemed like the, it, the, the veteran, the veteran guys, Kreider with a couple Zuccarello with a goal. Um, I, I just, everything with the Rangers is are you know, what, what are they going to do with Zuccarello? What are they going to do with Kevin Hayes? I mean, I'm assuming that these guys will be you know, rentals at the deadline. And the reason I bring that up is because there was a uh, rumor uh, start, a rumor mentioned by Nick Kiprios on Saturday night and then uh, reiterated by uh, Elliot Friedman on his 31 Thoughts today about Kevin Hayes making a lot of sense for the Winnipeg Jets as a left-hand center or a winger uh, to sort of replace the Paul Stastny departure. I don't know about that because I, I, you know, I don't think I don't think Hayes and Stasny are in the same league. But uh, <laughs> I hope Kiprios doesn't think that either. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, what do you, what, Peter? What do you think of that fit of Kevin Hayes with with the uh, with the Jets? You know, I, when you mentioned this before we went live, and and I hadn't heard anything about it, had my head bit bit down the sand because most of the stuff coming out of Winnipeg right now is you know, all these stories about being in Helsinki and stuff is not super interesting other than they're on a fun trip. Right. It's, I don't know. Like I know Hayes, but I don't know him as a player. I just don't see a lot of them. So it's a hard one to, to, to gauge. Russ can um, fill you in on that. Like good offensively tends to wander. Not a lot of hockey IQ, but great yeah. skills, really good shot. I, I just don't understand why they would bring him in, and for for whom. If they were and desperate then, for offense, they would do it. Otherwise, no. I, I just don't think they're desperate for offense, and I think they'll wait. They can be patient, and if they're super desperate for offense, they've got a couple of players they can bring up and try too, if they really need to, um, try something and and kickstart things. Um, you know, that's I, I just I don't understand that. I don't know why they would. Considering that Kevin Shevel Dayoff might be the most patient GM in the league in right. terms of following his plan and process with on, on, you know, honorable mention to Ron Hextall. But it's, you know, I just don't see him doing something that rash this early. I don't, I don't, see, I don't think this is an early move. I think this is a de closer to the deadline move because. Yeah. I mean, Hayes is going to be the typical rental guy where you, you're getting you're giving up a prospect and a second round pick. I don't I don't think this is like you know a hit it, hit it out of the ballpark rental type of guy. I mean, he, you know, I mean, no, but you don't need to give up a really good prospect, and I, I don't see it as a fit for Winnipeg. I'll be honest. Okay, I know. Uh, I want to go back. We have to go back to Arizona because I wanted to double check because when I was saying they need a better defensive play. If you remember, there was all this talk and hype that Jacob Chickren was going to start the season. Well, not only not started the season, he just got cleared for contact. So he's still a couple of weeks away if everything is perfect. 
And so we're into November now with Jacob Chikrin. And if you remember, everybody's like, oh, no, 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 he's going to make it. Oh, look in September. He's skating. He looks great. He's a physical marvel. Yeah. But you see, this is what happens when all of a sudden it hits the wall. Like, and it's not his fault. This is just like he's rehabbing. He's trying to come back. This is where, you know, if he comes back to that lineup some sometime soon, it's going to help. But, if, you know, they need him back bad if they want to contend at all. Um, Islanders continue to surprise a 6-3 win over the Penguins. Penguins are 6-2-2 two two on the year. Islanders are 6-4-1. and one. Uh, The surprising thing here is uh, Eberle with a couple goals, but it was mostly, you know, Kunako, Matt Martin. It was the, the depth guy scoring for the Islanders. And Robin Leonard makes 23 saves. Well, he got uh, hurt too, though. I did. I did. I did not know that. But uh, yeah, so they, 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 yeah. And that, see, that that's symptomatic. Chris Gibson's up already. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's like when Leonard did have a string of success with Buffalo, he would then get hurt. He got hurt. I mean, remember, he got hurt in his first game as a Saber. Oh, I do remember. Yeah. Yeah, he got hurt, and he was uh, like he would have. St- streaks of playing really well and then he would pull a groin or something would happen and that you know that that sort of kills you i mean he's singing for a supper he's got a one-year deal at i think a million five Here, here's the thing i i watched a lot of this game i respect the fact that both teams pittsburgh had the patch for stronger than hate and they really rushed to get those on the jerseys and i appreciated that and i'm sure a lot of other people did too and then the islanders had the stickers on the back of their helmets which again is a great thing yes appreciated that um, watching the game though, without Latang and, and Schultz, the Islanders had a field day with their bigger players, you know, like Nelson and Lee, they were sitting all day long in the crease mm-hmm. and, and there's nothing Pittsburgh can do about that. So for as good as people want to say the Islanders looked right now, it's a, it's amazing that Pittsburgh's winning any games at all. And so for them to also say, well, we shelled Matt Murray. Okay, great. But Matt Murray doesn't have anything in front of him. Yeah. Look at these defensemen. If Ole Mata is your best defenseman, you're in deep trouble. And I know Jim Rutherford said he's not. I think he's playing at coy right now, saying that he's not looking for anybody. He better be looking because if these guys don't come back soon, this defense they can't go much longer with this defense. They can't. Well, there's not. There's not. There's not much out there. I mean, and if I heard, I heard something. I think. I think I actually was Elliot Friedman yesterday say that uh, you know Tyler Myers is not going to be traded. Okay. That in the more more than likely, um, you know, the, he's going to be an own rental for the Jets. So you know, because they're going to be in it, they're going to they're going to be contending. And I, 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 you know, unfortunately, I think that that's going to be the case with Jake Gardner with the with the Leafs. You know, they're the, they they think that they have a chance to win, and they would like to sign him for a certain amount of money. Above that, he probably goes the way of Van Riemsdyk and Bozak and goes in free agency. But Listen, they think they have nothing to these defensemen. It's Olimata, Jack Johnson, Alexiak, Dumoulin, Ricola, and Chad and Chad Ruido. Yeah, right. And and Dumoulin's on the top pairing, I think. Yeah, and, and they're wondering why Matt Murray's getting shelled. Oh, you signed Jack Johnson. Yeah, like, like but actually, they needed to sign Jack Johnson because imagine if they didn't have him. Right. No. Yeah, that's true. Um, now I'm gonna I'm gonna skirt the the game itself because the post game was more interesting. The Red Wings beat the Columbus Blue Jackets five three, and Russ, I don't know if it was you or if it was Anthony that sent the snippet of of, of uh, Tortorella after the game. Anthony sent it. I made yeah. sure I talked about it on XM this morning. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. a fresh air out of Torts with his one word answers. Uh, here's my thing. At least he's figured out he needs to actually go out there and give a press conference because if he had a choice, he wouldn't have. We know that. I know that. You know that. We all know that. But to go out there and give the one-word answers and just wait for one second of space to just walk away is, again, like you knew he was bubbling at the surface. I give him credit for self-editing and knowing that he want to say something stupid, but again, Come on, John. You could at least give your fans something. You just lost for the worst team in hockey. Give your fans a reason as to why you lost. Don't give them one-word answers. Because, again, it it doesn't help the fan base. People are legit wondering what is going on with this team with the amount of talent they have. And it's a fair question for reporters and everybody to ask. 
He's emulating Bill Belichick. That's what he's doing. Yeah, but he doesn't have a Bill Belichick resume. He's got I know. He's, he's only won one Stanley Cup, and Belichick's won five Super Bowls. But right. No, and, and it's funny because, uh, Peter, on on a TSN's, I think they're trade bait list, the top 10 guys they think are, are uh, tradable before the deadline, the two names most prominent, they're in the two names in the top 10 are Bobrovsky and Panarin. And mm -hmm. I, I continue to say the Paul over this organization is going to be until the deadline, until you find out whether they're trading their best forward and their number one goaltender. Now, yesterday, they, didn't they play? I thought they were supposed to play Corpusello, but it has Bobrovsky making 23 saves, unless they, uh, they must they must have they, they, they yanked Corpusello because it was the Detroit scored three, three, three goals in the first period. Yeah, that's, I believe that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I feel for Columbus. Like, I actually feel for them. This is a team that needs to get some momentum and build on it and, and become sort of a regular playoff appear. They, you know, they, they need something there. And, and what's going on right now just isn't good. I don't think, I don't think they thought what they were getting into through enough in terms of you shouldn't be in a situation where your two best players are basically sitting there ready to walk if, if, or be traded. I, I just don't think that's very good planning. And I think there should have been a way to avoid it. Unfortunately, one of the only ways to avoid it is to overpay. Right. And, and so the contrary point the, the is that, for years, we've been waiting for GMs to sit there and go, I'm not going to lock myself into long-term bad deals because that's the yeah. best option to keep the player. This may be the first example of two cases, and it just happens to be on the same team, where the team walks away and says, we've got to go do something different because the cost going long-term outweighs right. the benefit, even if, it, if, even if the next two or three years are good. Well, yeah. I look at them, right, Peter, and I say... This isn't Yarmul Kekalainen's fault. He has given John Tortorella enough talent here. Yep. There's enough talent to win here. This is on the coach of the players. And when you look at after after Wierenski, you know, the next highest point guy is seven points. And it's just yeah. not acceptable. Now, what's interesting is the highest goal guys on the team are Josh Anderson and Atkinson. Then you have Panarin at five. Uh, then you have, yeah, Panarin at five. And then at four, you've got Dubois, and but you've also got Anthony Duclair. They picked up Anthony Duclair, and that was a really good pickup by Yarmo. Imagine if they didn't have him. <laughs> I mean, it's like, come on. This is, you know, Boone Jenner's got three points on the year, three goals. Dubinsky's out. Are they missing Brandon Dubinsky that much? They might be. Uh, Riley Nash has two points on the season in 11 games. Like this is, you know, Milano's only got a goal in eight games, but he's a younger player. I'm not going to pick on him too much, but this is, there's a lot of under, you know, Wemberg five points in 11 games. There's a lot of guys not pulling their weight here. And the coach, I'm telling you, I told you a couple of weeks ago, it doesn't look like he has any answers and it still doesn't look like he has any answers or he would have said them last night. Yeah. The, uh, the other three games uh, on the night and we can comment on whatever, whichever one you want to, uh, Lightning beat the Devils eight to three. Uh, the Wild come back and beat the Oilers four to three uh, on a I think it was a Zach per or no, a Granlin goal in the third. Yeah, you know he's and, picked it up. He's really picked it up this year. And the fly and the Flyers beat Anaheim uh, three to two. Now I just I'll just mention this in that Lightning game. Braden Point got a, had a goal and four assists. He's leading the team with 14 points. You think the Leafs have problems with uh, yeah. with uh, Matthews and Marner? The the Lightning, I don't, they're not capped out because they're going to have a bunch of their older defensemen like Braden Coburn and uh, uh, Strawman, who I, I think they probably want to resign. But they have a few of their defensemen um, uh, as UFA, so they have some some cap space, and the cap will go up. But if you don't think Braden Point's going to get seven and a half, eight million dollars on a long-term deal, or he doesn't deserve that based on how he's played since he's since his rookie season. He will. I mean he will. He, he will. And but again, they have guys they could trade there and are going to trade. And now that you know they they're working Adam Ernie in he's got three points in six games, they they could start, you know, they could start moving some players at Adam at some point, you know, Tyler Johnson, he's going to get moved out. Or they're Paul or Palat or Cologne or yeah. 
Yeah. Um, economics. Now, so we got to talk about the Wild because, again, I because, because you picked them to win the Stanley Cup. I picked, no, I didn't pick them. I just picked them to come out of the West. I didn't okay, sorry. Excuse me. I didn't pick anybody to win the Cup. But I did pick them out of the West. But that's not the reason why. Even two days ago, I had gotten a mention in the chat room. Somebody was worried about the team. And, look, this team has good goaltending. I mean, Dubnik, he may not win every game, but he is in every game. And Alex Stalock is a good backup. And, and right now you look at them and you say it couldn't be going too much better for them. I mean, they're, again, 16 points. They're 7-3-2. and two. They're third in the central. They would be leading if they were somewhere in the east, right? Yeah. yeah. But they're still gonna get their hundred points. Yeah. And that's and- the whole point. They're gonna be a dangerous team. If Parise and Stahl stay healthy and Suter stays healthy, they will be a dangerous team to face in the playoffs. And and Peter, as as I've said many a time, it's like you've you've got McDavid carrying that team on his back, and he gets a goal, Dreisidel gets a goal, and they lose. And that you know that that's the thing. It's like I mean, they, these guys need to dominate just for them to have a chance to win. Yeah, you know, I, I given it'll be interesting to see. I, and I haven't looked at the Oilers' schedule, but it'd be interesting to see what their next sort of five games are because they came off a nice run. They took on some quality teams, beat them. We had seven out of eight points over four games, and now. Let's see what happens in the next round because I got a feeling the Oilers are going to kind of be the up down up down. Like there's going to, when the when the highs are high, they're going to be great, but right. they're not going to be sustainable. Instead of being sort of a nice even kind of run, they're going to be really choppy. Here, and, here and you that'll, go. Next, next yeah. five next five games, they play the Blackhawks in Edmonton. Yeah. They play at Detroit on Saturday. They play at the Capitals on Monday next Monday. At Tampa on Tuesday and at Florida on Thursday. So Washington so, Tampa back to back is tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they get three out of three out of five wins. Maybe they don't. I mean, it'll just be interesting to see to see where they're at as a team. Like, because that's the mark of a team. And I remember watching this with Winnipeg last year, was it started surprising everyone, is that they just started winning consistently. Yeah. And and I don't know if the Oilers are quite there that yet. I, I, they could be, but they've got to start doing it in those five game things. And and there's a lot of coaches who look at things in five game her five game periods, right? That you've right. got to win three out of five. Yeah, Babcock does that. Yeah, yeah. Maurice uh, does I, it. Yeah, it, it, and the thing is, it, it, I understand why they do it to sort of keep keep the picture small, not the overwhelming of the the whole eighty two game. Let's bro- let's. Let's chop it up into segments and let's get six points in five games. But in the grand scheme of things, I mean, when when Babcock talks about it, it's like but nobody cares about the five-game block. They care about where they are as opposed to everybody else. Um, now, the the only other game, uh, the last game, uh, the interesting thing was the, the Anaheim has lost six games in a row, Russ. Um, Pontus Aber, who they placed on waivers, I think less than two weeks ago, they would call him up. He had the, he had the only two goals for it. He scored their last four goals. Um, yeah. He looked really good. I mean, look, this game was on the edge. I watched this game intently. Uh, the flyers were still, they gave up at least two, two on ones on the power play. Like if it's something I've been talking about for weeks now, and they still have not been able to sort of get it under control. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. Something has to change on their power play. Maybe JVR getting there will help, but it's it's the guys up top. They're just not playing any kind of defense. The puck gets anywhere near getting close to getting over their stick, and the other team has a two-on-one. So they did that. They fell behind. They got a quick goal out of um, what James pa- – uh, James. Nolan Patrick. Nolan Patrick. And, and Patrick's been really good lately. And that, so their comeback ability is there. But a lot of things still aren't. Uh, Elliot was really good in goal. There still wasn't a problem with Elliot in goal either. Yeah. Now, um, and right, and, and and Miller Miller faced thirty three shots. I mean, they're I think they're averaging the most shots on goal per game. Um, I, I don't think Randy Carlisle is in trouble because they're. No. But but they really have to. Like I said yesterday, you know, Bob Murray said during the offseason, right after they lost in the playoffs, that they were going to try to change, change styles and sort of get get with, get with the the speed quotient in the NHL. Well, it's tough to do that when you have, you know, 
Getzloff and Kessler and these guys as centerpiece players. And I, 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 I did you see the the video? Apparently, Kessler uh, hooked Nolan Patrick at the faceoff circle, mm-hmm. and then when Patrick came back and scored a goal, scored the goal, he mouthed off at Kessler. I mean, yeah. you know that Kessler can be as gritty and everything as as as, you know, as, as he normally is, but <laughs> he's got to be able to keep up with the pace to be the effective player that he had used to be in the, in the past. Yeah, it's not going to win games for him, uh, but again. I did look at Anaheim and Getzlaff. Like at the end of the game, I, I felt like Anaheim had a big gaffe because they kept Getzlaff out there way too long. And then they finally got the goalie out with under a minute to go, maybe 45 seconds to go, Ryan Miller. And and Getzlaff is stuck out there. And he was like dead in the water. And you know how Getzlaff is these days anyhow. Yeah. So that's they've got to do a better job of, of those kinds of things. And, and unfortunately, age and speed is catching up to them in that area. That's why Auberg has been like a breath of fresh air because he, the Flyers couldn't cover him. He was too fast for any of their defenders. Yeah. And one of the faster players, although he's not a speed demon is Silverberg. He's a UFA at the end of the year. So they have to, they have to decide whether they want to sign him. I don't know if he'll, he'll be a rental option, but you know, that's a guy, that's a guy, that's a guy that, you know, I I would think that they would run, you know, they got him, I believe in the Bobby Ryan deal and he's been a pretty good player for them. I would assume that they'd want to sign him, but maybe they, I don't know if they would want to spend the money that it'll take to sign him. Um, Okay. A couple, couple things from Elliot Friedman's 31 thoughts. He's always provocative and interesting and has some info. Um, And he mentioned, you know, we were talking about the 2019 draft, uh, the 2019 defensive class for free agency, and we know Carlson's out there, um, Gardner and Myers we mentioned before. He said, since the market is pretty small, since all these players have been signed, that don't be surprised if Nick Letty from the Islanders is, will be shopped. Now, he's got another, I believe, three years at $5.5 million, which is – based on somebody who's a top pairing or top three defenseman is a reasonable price. Um, Peter, I mean, if a team needs a defenseman, five and a half million and Letty's not old, that might, that's, that, that's a inviting target. Yeah. You know, interesting. Cause I hadn't read the 31 thoughts yet, but I mean, he's also got three more years on that deal. Yeah. So you, you'd be taking him on, with a bigger plan in mind and you're probably in that deal probably gets a little bigger than a, than a first, first one. Right. And it, like just a first rounder and, 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 and a prospect because you're buying term, you're buying some stability. He is 27. So it's interesting. I, you know, I, it's funny. I haven't really followed Letty much since he got to New York and, and, yeah, that, you know, that's an intriguing idea, actually. It's too bad he's not a right shot D, then the lease would be all over him. Yeah. I, why would, again, why aren't the Islanders going to re sign him? Well, well he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's got three got, more years. Right. This, this is, I mean, I think what they're, what the theory is here is, you know, based on the Islanders. I mean, does anybody really think that the Islanders are going to be Stanley Cup contenders in the next three years? I don't know if I believe that. Yeah. And, I think Rue believes he will be. Well, I mean, and if he does, then he keeps him. But if he if he doesn't, I, I honestly I don't want to throw cold water on what Elliot said here. But they're going to keep him. I mean, they're they're more more revenue is going to be coming in. He's not an old player. He is their best defenseman. They don't have anybody in the system like him. Right. Who's not getting rid of this guy? Unless not- unless he gets himself unless he gets himself a young defenseman in the deal that he thinks is somebody who could grow into that, you know, remember you're talking about, and I think Letty is, I think he's 29. Yeah. That's about right. He's around that age. I mean, defensemen, especially drop off after the age of 30, mostly. But he's fast and he's getting 40 yes. a year. There's no way they are trading Nick Letty. If they trade him, they're starting from square one. By the time three years is up, then maybe Noah Dobson's up. Maybe. We don't know. I mean, it's, it's it's a hope. Bodie Wild won't be open three years. Like, who's – no, they're not doing this. Um, now, finally, you know, I saved I saved it to last, the uh, the, the Nylander update uh, from Elliot Friedman. He says, right now it's a deadlock. He says, neither side is moving. Doesn't think that the Leafs are ready to trade him yet, but it, it might be the time to start considering what could be out there. And mention four teams as – and it was Philadelphia, L.A., Minnesota, 
and Carolina. Now, Carolina is the one that I know that Pierre Lebrun has reported a couple times in the last month um, that Carolina is very interested in Nylander. Uh, 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 Rick Dudley, the assistant GM of the of the Hurricanes, has basically set up shop at the Scotiabank Arena. He's been there three times in the last two weeks. Um, and that's not unusual because Dudley is in Toronto. He travels a lot. He's in Toronto a lot. But with the coupling of these two teams in terms of rumors, you would think you would think it's also it could potentially be a bigger deal than just Gardner or just sorry just uh, Neilander for uh, a guy like Brett Pesci. I think it would probably be a bigger deal. But I, of those four teams, which one do you think is the most intriguing and the one that has the best chance of happening? So can you say the four again, Mike? Yeah, Philly, L.A., Minnesota, and Carolina. Now, if it's Philly, you know. I mean, we mentioned Gostaspear, but I don't know if that's realistic. Sanheim is somebody that was mentioned previously. Yeah, well, it would be one or the other. It would be Sanheim or Gostaspear. Yeah, with L, with LA, the only one, like Alec Martinez or Jake Muzzin, but I think I don't ah, think yeah. one of those – they would have to – the Leafs would have to get themselves a young forward like a Tanner Pearson on top of one of those defensemen to get for, for LA. Yeah. LA's defense hasn't played particularly well this year. I mean, you, yeah. you'd be hoping that – it'd be like a, you know, a deal where you're taking someone out of maybe an environment that just isn't working and you're going to get more of what you've seen before. Right. I just, the thing about Carolina, all the pieces fit, right? Like all, like the possibility of there's variables here that could work. You could find something to make it work just as a swapping players. What I don't see happening is Dundon getting into a situation where he gives up some stability on contract to take on someone who's going to be paid more. So I think there'd have to be something coming back to offset what he's going to have to pay Newlander because Newlander's not all of a sudden going to say, I want, I'm going to take 6 million in Carolina. No, no. If, if anything, the reason the trade would happen is because Carolina is one of the few teams that would be able to afford yeah. paying him 8 million because they have, they have tons of room under the cap. Yeah. They've got tons of room, but I just don't know if Dundon wants to pay that. Well, I mean, right. I mean, and Russ said it before, and I think it's the truth. I mean, I think that team needs at least one and maybe two top six forwards. Neilanders will maybe, you know, yeah. Neilanders definitely one. You know, maybe Martin Martin Neckish in a year or two will be the other one. Right. But um, there's I mean, some. You look at their defense, and you I was just say, honestly, I, I wouldn't count LA or Minnesota as heavy. Minnesota's doing well. LA, they lose Muzzin, that you got nobody with Dowdy. Yeah, I, I think. I think Philly and Carolina seem like the teams to be honest. And with, and with Minnesota, it would have to be one of Spurgeon, Brodeen, or Dumba. And I don't know if I see them trading any one of those. Teams. I don't think they got. I mean, the, yeah. the only one I could see them, I, I can't see them trading any one of them. But the only one I can really see the Leafs wanting is Dumba. Right. Like, right. Right hand. I, I right just, hand. Well, Spurgeon's a right hand shot too. But I think Brodeen's a left. But, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Now, uh, breaking news here, LA Kings Twitter tweets out, Jonathan Quick out of the lineup indefinitely with a surgery to repair a torn meniscus. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember um, he had a procedure last year. Yes. Mm. Yeah, he, it's getting old quick for quickie here. And, and, and that means you're back to Peter Budai and Jack Campbell and yeah. how long before Cal Peterson maybe gets a chance. But – this is I mean, gonna be, this could be a tough year for the Kings now. From bad, and the thing is, again, again, it's like just just look at look at look at it objectively. If they decide to sort of reset, if and I'm not saying because this is just a report that the that the, they had surgery. We don't know how long he's going to be oh, out. Any kind of surgery, he's out four weeks minimum. Right. So if he's oh. out two, right, they're already at the bottom of the Western Conference. If they if they fall even further behind. And they decide, okay, well, let's try to, you know, move some contracts out. Let's try to reset a little bit. Good luck. Yeah. Fanoff has got another two or th I think two or three years. You know, Martinez and Muzzin I think can be moved. You know, Dowdy's not going anywhere unless he no, wants no. to go somewhere. Kopitar, Carter. I mean, there's a they're lot of long. They're not going to move Muzzin. I don't even think they're going to move Carter. Jeff Blake, Rob Blake rather, doesn't seem like he really wants to do any of that, and I don't think they're going to. They've got plenty of prospects. They just, unfortunately, they've got to ride this out, Russ. They're going to ride right. it out. The problem yeah. is, is that they're one of these teams that is very, they didn't have a lot of depth. And if things were going to happen like this, worst case scenarios, 
they didn't have a real way to combat it. Like the that's problem, the problem is, is that if, the, if you and I'm not, and I'm, not say, I'm just saying that it, we're just theorizing here. If you throw this year away, then everybody who everybody said was old this year is one year older next year. Yeah, I get it. And and one year slower. And if that's um, the, but I mean, they'll but they'll have other guys that they'll move in. You know, they'll look just the same way they picked up Ayafalo at the end of this year. They'll pick up another college free agent. Like that's what they're gonna have to do, and that's that's gonna be the way they're gonna offset this. But and Gabe Velarde will probably be in the mix next year. Or... Yeah, I don't know even what his status is right now. He's had. I think he was. I think he was injured. I think he was injured in training camp. Yeah. So I mean, again, this could just be where they came. That they're just gonna ride it out. I. They might move a slight contract. They're not gonna just start unloading. They're not. Yeah, well, I'm, what I'm saying is, and finally, it's, I'm just saying is, it, it's almost impossible impossible for them to unload because they've got all these long term contracts. Right. So it, they, you're right. They're probably going to have to stick with the team as they have because I don't know if anybody would take the you know Dustin Brown or guys like that because they're just the term and the amount that they're being paid. You know, Kovalchuk is in year one of a three year deal. Yeah. So. Okay, LA uh, is a hot mess, and yes. the only thing that's going to get him out of it is time. I'll tell you, here's an update on Velarde as of today: still wearing non-contact jersey. Wow, wow. Okay, guys, great show. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. I'll be up in Toronto, so we'll get let you know what the time uh, will be. Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Peter Tessier for Russ Cohen. Thanks for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.